Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is George Cooper and welcome to the show. Now, certainly wasn't the classic. One of those games that you don't get how you register them. You just needed to get three points on the board. This was more of a must-not-lose or draw game. But anyway, still plenty to talk about, despite the fact that it was not one that we'll be talking about for years to come. Joining me today to dissect what we witnessed yesterday is Drew Heatley. How are you doing? Hi, George, mate. Isabel Barker, how are you doing? Great. It's great to be back on the pod. It feels like it's been a long time. It's been too long. <laughs> we've missed you. We've missed you. And tell you someone else who we've missed. Coming in from across the Atlantic, the one and only Ben Jarman. How are you doing, sir? Hello, sir. Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. My first in a long time, so apologies for any rust today. Oh, we'll, we'll soon get you firing on all cylinders don't you worry about that <laughs> what have you been up to in Vancouver these past few months have you missed us yes I have yeah I made it I actually went back to the UK a couple of weeks ago but I didn't make it to any of the games which is a real shame but like yeah I've missed hanging out with you guys on match days and sinking pints with Drew and Sammy and the crew before the game and after the game so yes yeah, it's, it's, it's different football consumption out here is very different it's very uh very give and take. So there's an eight hour time difference, if I'm not mistaken, eight or nine, is it? What time were you yep. up, up in the morning to watch Fulham's I, scrappy one win against Luton? I got up yesterday at 7am after getting in the night before at 2am. So oh. it was, uh, I'm not sure it was worth the pain, but you know, I'm here today. <laughs> oh, if that's not commitment, I don't know what is. <laughs> Drew, I think you've got some three word reviews for us. Yeah, I've got some free word reviews. It's funny, it was, uh, I think it's uh, a bit of an off weekend for us all because, you know, with the greatest of respect to everybody, I did have to troll to get some uh, <laughs> to get some good ones. I think we've all just had a bit of an off weekend, but uh, nevertheless, come out the other side smelling the roses. So uh, we've got uh, Fulham, uh, Philadelphia Fulham, so PH Fulham, uh, three Mo points, which is a nice nod to the recently departed Mohamed Al-Fayed, who, of course, we paid tribute to on the weekend. Uh, we got Jake Will Wilgos with not very convincing, uh, uh, convincing sing. Sorry, see, it's very yes, it's a tough, it's a tough bunch. Sorry, uh, we got Rick Cardiff <laughs> with Vinnie Clatter's Hatters. Nice, simple rhyming there. Thank you, Rick. Uh, we got a couple of hats off Vinnie, um, which I've uh, picked out, and one for you, George. Londinium calling with hold your willies. <laughs> another another hat tip to Chairman Mo, which I know you enjoy that. I that do. Anecdote. Yeah, I do enjoy that anecdote. I'm glad that you clarified that it's because I like that anecdote uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> that you threw that one to me. Yeah, I mean, it was a lovely tribute to Mohamed Al Fayed before the game. It was nice to see the scarves placed on every single seat at Craven Cottage so everyone could give him a swing around, just as the old fella did on his lap of honour before games. So let's get to that game. I mean, it was, 
yeah, wasn't wasn't a classic Drew, but I mean, we just did enough, didn't we? Just yeah, I went into the game and I said on the preview on the website, it was so must win that it was almost lose lose because if you win, it's like well, you're expected to, and if you don't hammer them, then you've not done a great job, and if you lose, obviously you're going down. So, you know, there wasn't really much room for any sort of uh, victory unless we unless we beat eight. <clears throat> You know, so that was always going to be. Uh, we were always on a bit of a hiding to nothing in that in that regard. But you know, I think uh, if you can if you can win a game like that and not play very well, then uh, I think you're going to probably do okay. Um, but I think a lot of our fans are coming out the other side, sort of concerned, thinking it's going to be a long season. But I didn't really see it like that. I thought um, what we showed an incredible uh, amount of patience in the first half. You know, they were putting everyone behind the ball. It was quite difficult. You know they want you to try and attack, and so they can hit you on the break and get something to defend, and then and then you are really screwed. So you had to show a bit of patience. We had a lot of possession. We didn't do a lot with it, but I'm not sure we could have done that much. Of course, some players underperformed in the first half, and the substitutions we'll get onto change the game. But I see it as a hard-fought three points in a situation where there wasn't really a lot of upside for us. So um, I'm just taking that as as the main positive. Yeah, and obviously there are huge positives to be taken. Three points on the board, first and foremost. I mean, there was a there were elements to the game that reminded me a lot of, dare I say, a Parker ball at times. You know, <laughs> huge, huge spells of possession with not an awful lot. But yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, Drew. It was it was a it was a ground out performance. I mean, Izzy, it has to be said. I mean, Luton are really stinking up the gaff this year. I mean, they just sat back even after we got the goal. They just didn't seem to be wanting to press us. They didn't seem to, you know, they just stuck to their guns and thought, you know, we're just going to try and nick a goal on the counter. However, arguably they had the better chances in the first half. And I mean, it would have been quite a horrid afternoon had they have, uh, had they have nicked one and then just sat back for the, for the remainder. I mean, how did you feel that they fared and visiting the college? It doesn't look like it's going to be that pleasant a season for them. Yes, but at the same time, I've covered them a lot this season and I actually thought they've had their best um, chance at getting points, at least, against us. They've had their best chances at goal, hitting the post and things like that. They've looked their best in all of the games that I've watched. Even um, them playing against Gillingham, I think we made them look better. So that kind of worried me. But yeah, I mean... They're on a long-term plan of revamping their stadium and, you know, making some cute little signings here and there. But, you know, they've, they've not spent any money. I think when you look at, like, the experience in their squad, their starting lineup, I think Tim Ream probably has more Prem appearances than all of them. Like, it, it that, you know, that's just, just saying so much. And um, the the budget, their, their squad cost about $52 million or something around that. So, yeah, I think it's not looking good for them this season. But it's not to say we absolutely spanked them because we made it very difficult. So that was worrying for me, considering I've covered them all season. And yeah, I was worried. Mm. I mean, Jams, it was quite a, until the changes that came in the second half, it was quite a kind of toothless performance. We didn't really, apart from the Kenny... Kenny header um, that just sort of glanced over the bar from that well-worked corner. We didn't really challenge their goal until we actually scored. I mean, what do you feel was at the sort of epicentre of this quite mediocre attacking performance? Well, I thought the the whole performance was quite insipid at times. We looked incredibly telegraphed for most of the game. And actually, I think one of the things that really counted against us was firstly because Luton had a backline of six people for, as, as you rightly said, 
up until the point where we scored and then they reverted to a five, which, you know, is going from super negative to like, you know, <laughs> fairly negative. Um, but then I think that the, a few things with the selection of players out there was not great. I think we missed the influence of Robinson that allowed Willian to have a little bit more of an influence on that left-hand side. You really don't need two fullbacks that are, are fairly defensively sound against Luton. Um, Castagno, I thought, was kind of like middle of the road there. Didn't give us too much attacking output or, or option from that from those wide bursts. Um, and Kenny was Kenny is Kenny. I think he's a, a superbly de- like excellent defensive fullback. But against Luton, you're going to need someone that goes around the outside of those wingers, and he wasn't really doing that. I think Harry Wilson came inside a lot and and Luton did a great job of funneling Fulham into the middle of the pitch. And that's where it's hardest to break, you know, break teams down, especially when they have six people at the back. But I felt that we really lacked creativity at times and first touches and passes were way too slack. We weren't moving the ball anywhere near fast enough to try and get a really deep Luton back line out or get in behind them. And I think we just looked quite flat almost like it was a given that we were going to beat Luton but there is never a given game in the Premier League regardless of if we think Luton are going to have a record low points tally or not yeah I think they were just quite difficult to break down and say what you want about them they were fairly well organized and it just took that sort of moment uh, that Vinicius pounced on to to get us ahead you mentioned there Kasanya I do agree with you somewhat about his uh, potency going forward compared to Robinson's and Robinson just allowing that space for William. And I feel like we did miss that. Having said that, I was incredibly impressed with his debut. I thought he looked incredibly tidy. I thought to have a player of that versatility at our fingertips now, he's adept either on the left and the right. He can even play right wing, I think he's done in the past. Drew, what did you think of Kasanya's performance, his, his first 90 in a Fulham shirt? Yeah, I was, I was also impressed. I was talking to Sammy about it after the game and um, he was saying there was a few moments where he was kind of caught out and didn't nothing really had came of the moments, but like sort of had you thinking a little bit. But I thought overall it was uh, it was a really uh, adept uh, debut from him. You know, he's obviously got Premier League experience and that's what you want. You look at like, you know, Robinson obviously picked up an injury and we know that Te- Kenny is uh, prone to an injury or two and obviously that's the that's the side that you'd expect Kasanya to come in on I think you're realizing now why it was quite why Marco's gone for some depth on the on the fullback flanks because you know obviously you know compared to 20 years ago they are it is such you know it's it's vital to the way modern football is played and we have two really great first choice fullbacks who you know with the greatest respect don't play a full season without getting injured so I think it was uh, it was good to see. He's obviously thrown in on that side and I think he did well. I think uh, it was a solid sort of eight out of 10 performance from him. I wonder if Lissania is kind of maybe along the lines, because over the transfer window, Kenny Tete was the player that I was kind of being flagged about the most of wanting a move away and not happy with how contract talks were rumbling on and things like that and a lot of clubs interested in him in different leagues across Europe I wonder maybe if Castagna's kind of this long-term replacement down the line or something like that and like the injuries like you say Drew or or if Tete is if Silver knows he kind of wants out at some point maybe at the end of the season who knows so I think that's a positive aspect I guess wouldn't that be forward thinking if we uh, if we were facing <laughs> players before they left? I wonder if anyone could have a word about striker. Who knows? <laughs> Out of interest is who were the clubs that you heard Kenny to be linked with during your time, kind of looking into it and reporting. 
There was a bit early on about Liverpool, but I, it wasn't very concrete down the line. But Bayern were very interested. Um, and there was a few Spanish clubs that I, I wasn't sure, wasn't told which ones they were. But there was just a lot of interest because I think he was getting fed up with how talks were kind of going. He was unsure because the players that were being brought in and things like that, he wasn't sure what it was looking like for him. So he was very unhappy. Um, and... I don't know if he's got particularly, I don't know how things are going now, but um, I think Sandy could maybe be a long-term replacement for him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, really hope that Kenny stays. He's one of my favourites, but I thought he looked really good, especially as a debut. And just to have that versatility and, you know, the uh, he can the fact that he can play on either side is just so, so valuable. Talking about uh, contracts, <laughs> Ciao Valini, I don't think we've spoken about this on the pod. Where the hell did that come from? Like, I genuinely would have been less surprised had we signed Bruno Mars on the four-year deal. I was like, that was just <laughs> such a shock. Drew, would you go as far as to say it was the perfect response for him? That first half performance, he was everywhere. And... I mean, we're just a completely different side uh, side with him in the squads. And I mean, what a shift he put in. Yeah, I think the mini redemption arc was complete uh, as of full time yesterday. I mean, the, the new contract came out of nowhere and was the perfect tonic ahead of the game. Uh, you know, give him a chance to have his interview. I know everybody's joking. He looked like he was in a hostage video and, you know, his, <laughs> his uh, usual stellar grammar in his Instagram posts uh, was uh, it was uh, it was spot on. It was obviously PR fingerprints all over it. But look, I think what we're doing here is uh, with that whole thing is we're confusing the fact because the fact he taps his badge and he's quite an emotional player. We're confusing our emotions with the fact that it's business, right? And I have no problem with Jablin wanting to go to Bayern Munich. I have no problem with him signing in a transactional deal to stick around and give us a bit more money in in, in July next year. I'm happy with all of that. But you you can't say that he doesn't put in 100 every every game, and he did so on on yesterday as well. Man of the match. I think probably there was a few good performances, but I think he was definitely, for me, the one. And it's just what you've come to expect, isn't it? And I've just seen uh, the, the club tweet out, you know, Jao Polina, 100% commitment with a, with a compilation of all of his tackles. And you just think, that is it. That's the, that's the chapter closed now, isn't it? And we can just look ahead to just, uh, instead of talking about those, uh, those whinging Bavarians, we can talk about just how vital Jao is to our starting 11 again. Uh, normal service resumed. Yeah. Until January. <laughs> no, it's it's said July. I'd said July, July on purpose, not January. <laughs> He's just the consummate professional. And I mean, that tackle that he did, I think it was on Morris, where he just, it looked as though he just completely chopped him from behind. It was like, well, that's a yellow card. And then it just turned out to be this like Franz Beckenbauer-esque tackle. It was one of the best tackles I've ever seen at the cottage. It was just mad. It is. You're, you're, you're kind of clued up in with regards to these kind of things. Like what, what do you, what's your take on the, on the contract? Do we think it's just, we've given him, we've chucked a load of money at him and put in a really high release clause as Drew kind of alluded to that. And he's, and he's, he's out the door in summer or like that seems to be the logical kind of conclusion, but have you heard anything else? Like what, what's, what's well, going on? Cause it doesn't make any sense. I'm just going off what um, I heard from, because I spoke to Marco about it in the press conference and actually asked Harrison Reed about it all after the match. And it seems like Marco is very much involved in him, you know, wanting to sign a new deal. Apparently the club had everything in place before Bayern Munich stepped in and showed an interest. And naturally, obviously he wanted this dream move, whatever, but they were putting things in place and Marco had 
had a big chat with him and whatever to kind of try and keep him on board and keep with the project and the vision. Um, so hats off to Marco again for, you know, being the glue that kind of holds this squad together. It doesn't seem to be to do with our owners, I've got to say. Um, but they said when he was asked about the release clause in the press conference, he was like, we're laughing about it. We find this, you know, we've been laughing that you would instantly think that there's this release clause because it reminds me slightly of Mo Moises Casado, you know, for Brighton and that he signed a new deal and then he was off, you know, at the, it was at the end of the season. So it, I wonder if it smells a bit of, you know, he's, he's going to help us out for this season then get that big mega box move, whatever. But Drew, like you said, if he can help us out for that season and business, I'm fine with that. But Harrison Reed again was saying that um, Marco is the one that, because I said, what basically, why do you guys want to stay? Why, what made you want to sign these new deals? And he said it was because of Marco. He creates this kind of family home feel at the club. And so that's why him and Zhao wanted to stay on, really. Their families obviously really like it. But yeah, I don't know. I think at the end of the season, he could be getting very much be getting that move to Bayern. But for now, I think he's going to play a massive role in us having a great season, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it would be really nice if the man in question that you speak of, Marco, would, would sign a new deal. Mm. It would settle a lot of nerves. Jams, it was Marco's 100th game in charge at Fulham. 50 wins. I mean, you'd have to look back I don't think Hodgson even came close to that kind of win percentage with these sort of long-term, you know, like, as Izzy said, you've got players who are committing their long-term future to the club because of him. Does that give you a hint of hope that maybe Marco might be doing the same sometime soon? What do you reckon? I think so, yeah. And I think, you know, this is a man that's trying to extract every piece of value that he's worth. And, you know, for... If you look at this in the whole context of Fulham, he's someone that's rebuilt the club from a place that was incredibly stagnant into a club that's definitely on the up. Um, you don't get a manager that, that comes in and finishes halfway up the Premier League if you're not incredibly talented. And I think Marco is definitely that. There's a draw with him that we haven't seen with other Fulham managers for a long time, other than maybe outside of, of Hodgson. You know, players want to come in and they want to play for Marco Silva and he comes in and he recruits people. And that's, you know, something that is vital to a club. And not many clubs can say that they have that outside of maybe the top European clubs and maybe a smattering of clubs here and there that are like giants in their respective countries. You know, we have that with Marco. And I actually think that if we don't get this done sooner or later, we'll be massively remiss not to be doing this still. Um, you know, it's... Marco has essentially made this his club. You know, Fulham is his club right now. He is at the helm. He's bringing in all of these players. He has been the guy to overhaul our recruitment um, uh, systems and processes because how many managers came in here before Marco and had to have this kind of ridiculous two boxes ticked uh, attitude to recruiting players? It kind of feels like that's taken a back seat now and actually like pure scouting and building squads and building a way of playing is taking precedent over, oh, they might not pass 83% uh, every single week in, week out, you know? Um, and I think that that really just underlines the impact and effect that Marco has on this club. And honestly, like, I wish if I could just bring up Tony Khan, I'd be like, just get it done and get it done for however much it, it needs to be. If I was Rio Ferdinand in that BT Sports studio, I'm saying get that contract on the table, let him sign it what he wants because he's done everything since he's been here. So yeah, I'm I'm fully on it and I think that it's his club right now. 
Yeah, we can only hope that he feels the same and can feel the love from the fan base. Congratulations, Marco, on your 100th game in charge. Fantastic to cap that one with a win. And what a man, what a man. Best manager we've had in quite some time. We spoke about the debut performance for Kasanya. There was another man who came off the bench to make his debut performance. That was Alex Awobi. Drew, I was so impressed. I just thought it was a breath of fresh air in the middle. I'm so glad that we played him down the middle as well, where we saw the best of his performances for Everton um, that ultimately led him to be named their player of the season and kind of become their talisman. I mean, I just think he offers so much versatility for us now with his with his range and his his constant desire to press forward. What, what did you make of uh, of his performance yesterday? Yeah, it's a bit Monday morning pundit, but I would have had him from on from the start. Uh, really, like you're talking about, you know, uh, we had we were quite we had players of quite sort of defensive qualities against Luton. I think we could have done with something to unlock it a bit more. And I think a way we, a way we showed when he came on that he could do that. Um, and Ben talks about sort of Silver's impact on the transfer recruitment strategy. Whatever impact that's had, you can see it with players like Awobi coming in. You know, Marco's men from from what he's had in uh, previous clubs. Um, you can see that impact starting to weave it, uh, sort of weave its way in. And we've seen it with, you know, uh, he wanted uh, Muniz, for example, or, you know, even you know, Chalaba didn't work out, but he was another Marco man. You're seeing it come in now. Uh, Polina, the list goes on. Um, but it was a really good uh, debut from Awobi. And I think his signing sort of didn't go under the radar because obviously, uh, it, you know, it was announced in a, in a you know, same way as any other one but because we knew he was coming in and it was taking an age and we were expecting and you know, a seven eight nine transfers on deadline day or whatever it was that people were hoping for you know that it was kind of taken for granted a little bit but um i think we'll probably look back and find that you know that, that was going to be one of our key signings this summer because i think uh He's, he's shown what he can offer, moving that ball around and making things happen. And uh, you know, the more players we have like that in our uh, in our chamber, the better. So I was I was really happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, my my mate Barry is an Everton fan, and I asked him what he reckoned of this performance. <laughs> uh, not performance. What? what he, why is that funny? I've got a mate called Barry. Bar- Barry, the Everton fan. <laughs> Such an image in my head now. This guy. He's the same age as me as well. Um, amazingly, like what, what, what sort of image are you are you conjuring up here, James? As Barry, the Everton fan, just just a man that definitely orders a battered sausage when he goes to a fish and chip shop. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to send this to him. I'm not sure what his fish and chip order is actually. I'll have to I'll have to ask him. But anyway, he on the subject of Iwobi said that he can at times be frustrating, but is an incredibly lovable player who is exciting. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I absolutely love this one is I do feel that he gives Marco uh, the right kind of uh, sort of selection headache here. Cause like, where, where do you play him? Cause, cause of his versatility, you've got the option for, he can play number 10. So is he, could you potentially swap him for, Man, for Andreas Pereira if that's not working? Do we partner him with Zhao? I mean, do we let him go out wide? If so, who are you going to sacrifice? I mean, well, the possibilities seem pretty uh, endless. Where, where do you reckon we're most likely to see a Wobi kind of feature for us? Yeah, I think it's a great headache to have, isn't it? With um, where we get injuries and things like that and constantly not knowing who's going to be in our squad. But um, I felt like, I think it really just depends on the game. I felt like with the Luton game, I think Harrison Reed was good to start him. I just felt like where we would have the ball a lot, it would just give him, you know, that um, freedom to just battle on the pitch wherever he wanted. Um, 
Again, I think it really depends. I, I don't know what Jams and Drew think, but I think it really depends on who we're we're playing against. Um, I just think another player having that versatility like with Castagna is just so important for our squad right now. Um, great to have that healthy competition. I wouldn't have necessarily started him. I think it was sometimes you can have too much of a good thing type thing. And I think bringing him on and having that impact as a sub was really good in that game just to give that kind of creative flair. And I, I think what I like about him is that he mediates between midfield and attack really well, if that makes sense. But um, and just his liveliness is nice to bring him on. So I wouldn't necessarily start him, but I don't know what my colleagues think. <laughs> I I really like Awobi. And I know sometimes I give him a little bit of a hard time in the WhatsApp group that we have personally, but... I always remember going to a Fulham versus Arsenal under-21s game at the Emirates and Arsenal's midfield at the time was Glenn Kamara, who now I think plays for Rangers, Jeff Rayner Adelaide, who was meant to be one of the best like up-and-coming midfielders in the world, uh, Gedeon Zelalem, who was meant to be like another one, and Awobi. And Awobi was like head and shoulders above everyone on the pitch that day. Incredibly good at progressing the ball, so strong on the ball with a great technique. And I, I thought... When we signed him, I was like, I'm not quite sure how or why he fits. But yesterday, it was one of them where it's like, okay, it's clicked for me now. I understand what we're trying to do here. And I think I agree with it. Like you, you put him in against teams where you know you're going to need to progress the ball quickly and where you're going to have like a bit more space. So maybe he becomes, you know, maybe a little bit more of an effective piece against those top six, top eight teams where, you know, we're going to have to counter a little bit more. We're going to need someone that can progress the ball up the pitch and hit those wide open spaces. I think that's where we start to see him. And, you know, I really kind of now do like this as well because it's a viable alternative to Andres Pereira, who I think is, like, last year we saw him come in with a bang and he was brilliant, contributed to so many goals. He was dynamic in his play. Towards the end of the season, we kind of saw him fade a little bit into the background before he picked up that really unfortunate injury. Now, like, as it says, healthy competition, they're definitely two very, very different players with different skill sets. And actually, now I can totally see why we've bought him. And actually, how many positions we can use him in across that front four is just great. I think uh, versatility is like the hallmark of this squad depth at the moment. You know, obviously, we'd like to have more bodies for the door. And, you know, ideally, you can have two 11s that rival each other in terms of quality. But I think when you look at the, you know, we've got like our first 11 and then we've got like another eight, but, you know, four of those or five of those players can play at, you know, three, four, five different positions across the park. You've got a Wobi, Kastani can play on either flank. Bobby Deckard-Dover Reed has obviously made a career out of it. Versatility is is the hallmark of this depth of this squad. So I think it's a, it's a massively... A positive thing and it shows probably a little bit of an astuteness that might have gone under the radar a little bit um from the from the team so yeah all for that yeah say what you want about tony's transfer policy it's quite shrewd really isn't it instead of signing two fullbacks just do one and can do both instead of signing <laughs> a number 10 and a and a winger just get someone who could do all of it a kind of uh yeah very very clever i mean um we you mentioned uh jams there Andres Pereira kind of um, didn't have his best performance yesterday, but again, a bit of healthy competition never hurt anyone. Um, I thought mm. I thought Raúl Jiménez again was looked an isolated figure. People kind of talk about his industry and his and his effort and his work rate, but f- for me, it, it was it was quite alarming to be honest. I didn't think he got anywhere near, apart from that 
um, attempted overhead kick. What is it with our strikers that aren't Mitro with attempting overhead kicks? Is it something like, are they having like bets in the dressing room? First one to land <laughs> one? That doesn't seem to make much sense, but I, I thought he looked really out of position. That's the thing that really worries me about Raul is that he, his attacking positioning just seems really off. Like you'll see, I know arguably we're not playing to his strengths and we're trying to get balls into him as we were with Mitrovic, but you look at the where his positioning when balls are coming in and he's like quite often sort of 15 yards back from where you'd want him to be. I mean, yeah. what did you reckon? No, I, I know exactly where you've come from on, on that part and I felt exactly the same for most of the game. You know, you're looking for someone to really go ahead and sit and press on that back line and I don't think he did it too much. I, I thought that, you know, there was something to be desired for his link-up play as well. Um, there was at times he looked pretty rusty, but I think, you, you know, and people say this about players that play for Pep, but it takes a while for people that play for Silva to really understand what he wants from them, from them and their roles and responsibilities. And I think that there might be a bit of a learning curve coming from, from Raul, but I do think that there is a little bit of a lack of quality in their comparison to Mitro, but then again, you know, nine out of 10 strikers would probably have the same problem. Um, I thought that yesterday I was looking for more from him and Pereira, especially to get on the half turn for a bit of differentiation because they were just playing back to goal the whole time. You know, it's so easy to defend against two players that are playing back towards their own goal. Just, you know, I was looking for a little bit more on a turn, looking to bring people in and get in behind, but you didn't really get either from both, uh, uh, at least in my opinion. I feel like he's... I may be wrong on this, but I feel like he is going to be given a few games to have a chance, like given his chance under Silver. He seems to have a lot of, res- there's a lot of respect for him in within the squad from the players and from Marco. So I don't feel like he's going to be shunned away um, like Carlos Vinicius was. It, like Harrison Reed was saying, you know, He's got this experience. He's got this quality. It's not all on his shoulders, you know, kind of warning his teammates to kind of sharpen up a bit because he made a good point in the sense that the reason why we were effective last season is that everyone was tucking in. Obviously, Mitro's our main man, but everyone was tucking into the goals and Harrison Reed was kind of like, stop putting the pressure on Raul. But on the flip side for fans, it's frustrating because he had a pretty good international break. I think he scored a goal from open play, maybe three goals, a goal from open Mm -hmm. play, a penalty, whatever. So, it's frustrating for us. I guess we would have ex- expected more at this point. Yeah, it's worth noting the goals came for, uh, against Uzbekistan, but um, yeah, that is two, <laughs> two, two goals uh, nonetheless. No, Maybe he'd be confident at the very least. Well, yeah. I don't think he likes that doing bicycle kicks wherever. Yeah, but, yeah. you make a, you make a very <laughs> make a very fair Jack's, point. <laughs> Jack's pretty adamant that Uzbekistan are actually quite good at football now. So. I mean, yeah, like we'll they lost to USA. I think it was three nil, um, and the USA played really badly, <laughs> and yet they still <laughs> lost. But I mean, yeah, they got. I think defensively they are terrible. Like their goalkeeper makes so many mistakes. Anyway, moving on from Uzbekistan, um, that's our sister podcast that we're starting up. <laughs> uh, Vinicius came on for Rao and really shook things up. Uh, Drew, I mean, obviously he got the goal, could have had a second right at the death. He looked lively, he looked like a man with a bit between his teeth with a point to prove. Do you think he's taking his claim for a, for a start? I know, Iz, you, you made a very valid point that, you know, we're giving Raul time to to, to bed in and, and get used to his teammates. But, I mean, Vinicius surely put in a shift, you know? Hey, yeah, we had uh, people tearing their hair out that Rodrigo Muniz was getting the nod in the substitute role and... Uh, 
and Vinicius was sat on the bench, George Roster. But, uh, and, and, you know, he's proved, proved right. He was gloating in the WhatsApp group on Saturday, and rightly so, because Vinicius came on. And, it, you know, did Marco sit him in his box and wind him up and see these players come ahead of him? Because he knows that's that's the sort of thing that, that Vinicius needs. Who knows? Ormond Droid, John Stephen Hall on Twitter said, feel sorry for Jimenez, graphs away against a 10-0-0 formation for an hour. Then Vinicius comes on and the keeper drops the ball at his feet from three yards out. Fair point. But then Fulham SC replies, swap the players. And I'm sceptical that Raul would have been in the same spot to tap it in. And that's kind of where it comes down to for me. I, 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 I'm I, willing Raul on to score. I want him to be the guy. I want him to rediscover that form. But, you know, the bicycle kicks get wary. They, they, they wear me down a little bit more each time when there's not a goal that comes in between them. And, uh, and he's not in the positions that I think he needs to be in as a striker. So... You know, if, if Vinicius comes on, gets that opportunity and, and grabs that brass ring, then for me, he starts the next game. Um, and, you know, there's no room for sentimentality in football is the adage. And we've seen that this summer. So for me, he starts he starts the next game. Ooh, what do you reckon, James? I don't know. I, I still believe that both Muniz and Vinicius are a fair step down on the quality that Raul brings. I don't, I don't know. I'm not convinced by any of our striking options, to be honest. And going back to what Drew said at the start of this podcast, like we should have had a plan B in place for, for when Mitrovic left. You know, that was on the cards for many, many weeks. And it was like we were stuck in the mud and we never got a, a, a good, good enough replacement. You know, you think with 50 million lining your pockets that Fulham could go out there and get at least someone in on deadline day and we never did it. And I actually think that, you know, these next three or four months leading into January could at times be a, a big struggle to get the ball in the back of the net. And when you don't put the ball in the back of the net, you need to keep it out. And we're not amazingly good at that either. Um, so I don't know, this is becoming a bit of a doomsday comment from me, I think. Um, <laughs> the only thing is, is that Vinny is very, it's such a simple thing to say, but he is such a kind of confidence player. And the whole squad and Marco have really been rooting for him to kind of, get more goals they were all joking that he because what celebration did he do did, was it really I didn't see it properly but they were all joking that he'd be, he must have been knackered from doing his celebration because he'd been waiting to get that goal or whatever but I think they're all really <laughs> rooting for him because they just say you know he just needs that moment and he can shine they all Marco seems to really believe in him so if I was Marco instead of giving Raul all this time to prove himself I would definitely go with Vinny for the next game at the very least and kind of see if that momentum carries on. Because isn't it four goals in his last Fulham, six Fulham appearances? Yeah, yeah four, in, four goals within his last six Premier League appearance. One more than he managed uh, in his first 32 appearances in the Premier League beforehand. I mean, yeah, he's, um, he's doing all right. It's Vinny season. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll do for Luton at home. Solid three points, banana skin avoided. Crystal Palace up next. Don't go anywhere. Part two will be answering some of your questions. Hello, it's Sammy here. And this episode of Fulhamish is supported by NordVPN. Now, NordVPN is a way of watching sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available where you are by switching your virtual location of your phone, tablet or laptop to a country which is particularly perfect for those 3 p.m. kickoffs which aren't televised in the UK. And right now you can get an exclusive discount by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Not only will you benefit from their already huge discount, but you'll also get an extra four months for free. 
You can use one account on up to six devices. Also, it's completely no risk thanks to Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So to get that special rate plus four free months, go to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish or hit the link in the description of this podcast. It's the Fulhamish podcast. Coops here. I'm joined by Drew Heatley, Isabel Barker and live from Canada, Ben Jarman. We've got, yeah, speaking of our fixtures coming up is, so we've got Palace away this Saturday. Then we've got Chelsea at home and then Sheffield United at home. We've got Norwich in the cup at home as well. I mean, you're looking at those fixture lists and you think we could put a little run on here. Do you think? Definitely. I mean, I watched Crystal Palace against Brentford recently and they, I think um, I don't. Apart from Anderson, our old player, I don't think there was anyone that was producing anything really. It was such a boring game. But I really think it's a chance to kind of be, yeah, be creative and um, you know sink at least three past them. I think this is our moment, definitely. And obviously, I've watched Chelsea as well this season. They're still not fully clicking into gear. I don't think. I think even Luton up until seventy minutes. Chelsea had only scored one against them, correct me if I'm wrong. But I still think, yeah, it's, it's a good run. It's a good, you know, we can push on from this Luton game. Obviously, it was a narrow win, but it's a good time to get a bit of momentum. Um, you know, our new signings looking promising as well after the international break. So, yeah, it's looking positive, I think. Yeah, Chelsea held to a nil-nil draw at the Vitality uh, this weekend. I mean, they're going to be looking at that Fulham away thinking oh no that's not come at a great time yeah we've got some questions here I'm going to throw this one to you Jams I know we've literally just been speaking about the striker conundrum however Vincent asks does the lack of goals worry you it's obvious to say that we miss Mitro but to my eyes we do not seem to be creating clear-cut chances has Raul had a chance so far this season where he'd say he should have scored that I don't think so does it is it concerning you? Yes, massively. I I, I do agree with uh, the poser of the of the question there. Like we have had some games where we have looked completely and utterly toothless and a little bit insipid at times. You know, we are looking for a little bit of inspiration from people all over the pitch, and you're kind of not getting it. I think yesterday was one of those games where we sit back and we say, crying out for Tom Kearney to go out and create something. Um, and, you know, unfortunately it didn't come till the last like 10, 15 minutes or so, but across all of the games, you know, whilst we've managed to put the ball in the back of the net, I don't think there's any games where I've sat there and thought, you know, we deserve to have put at least two or three past the keeper there, or, you know, we look like we're on fire and causing a lot of problems for teams. I think we're getting, we're getting away with it quite a lot. And I think that there might be a question coming up in the later parts of the, the question section that says exactly the same thing where there have been a few games that we've won where we've maybe not deserved to win it and there's been a few games where you know we've plugged away and got a fairly decent result see Arsenal for example um, but I think that as you were saying just these next sequence of fixtures does give us a chance to go out there and hopefully get into some good rhythm Palace you know it's definitely one of those where you think it's winnable but going to Selhurst Park is tough and Roy Hodgson is currently you know, he has a cycle of three games, isn't it? Wins one, loses one, draws one. We're currently back at the start of there. Um, he's won one, lost one and drew one in in the last three. Coming off the back of a loss, absolutely screams one all draw. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you touched upon there. Have You know, we've won games that we haven't 
particularly played well in. Joe CB in the Telegram asks, Drew, do you think we've actually played well in any of our games? I mean, Arsenal was a good performance that we really dug deep. But other than that, can you think of any like games that you've come away thinking that was a really solid performance from Fulham? No, not hugely. Arsenal obviously was is the outlier there. But I think... It, it, they always say, you know, you play well and you win and it's a sign of a good team. And I think it's a sign of the project coming on as it should. You know, there's there's obvious things that aren't right. And, you know, we've gone over them all. But, you know, we are still picking up points. Went to Everton, who aren't doing too well at all in the relegation zone, beat them. Didn't play well, beat them. Luton in the relegation zone, not a hope in hell, should beat them, beat them. So, you know, Brentford's still around the same area as us. You know, we lost to them fine. Um, and get, you know, get an old point off the top six and we're doing all right. I don't, you know, I think uh, we need to sort of check ourselves a little bit. We're not going to get uh, stellar performances every game. We're not going to get as many goals as we got last term because we've lost our top striker and haven't adequately replaced him. Um, you know, there were points where we were running around like a headless dog while, you know, while the prey just sat there and watched us uh, on in the first half on Saturday. But, you know, these sorts of things will come in time. Um, but at, at the moment, I've got no sort of overarching concerns, apart, you know, because we're winning games and, and you know, we're still get picking up points. So I think uh, I think it's just a, a, re- a time to be uh, a glass half full, maybe, because uh, there ain't a damn thing we can do about it until January anyway. That's why we get you on, Drew. The voice of reason. The <laughs> voice of reason. That's why you're my dad's favourite as well, I think. <laughs> Honoured. Uh, Izzy, um, you're our kind of most in the know on this group. What happened with Adama last yesterday? Um, where where was he? Have you got any inside knowledge? Oh God, I don't have any intel on that. I'll, I'll, I'll pass that on to Drew or Jams. I didn't know anything about that. Nothing was said in the presser or anything like that. Um, I didn't get any scoops or anything about it um so i'd have to look into that one but i don't know if anyone else heard anything well my, my mate barry's actually friends with the <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, he, is barry the one that gets the baby oil and rubs it all on the yeah. <laughs> baby oil barry yeah. I thought so. what a guy <laughs> no, i have no idea who it was obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, I, I tell you what, I abs- the thought of having Iwobi and Adama Traore playing together is, I mean, that is just such vibes, that, isn't it? There's, there's a recipe for some, for some real um, excitement there. We're going to got a question here from Chris Long. I would love an update on the Riverside. Is this not the longest construction project in history? Uh, or is it just me? When will it finally open? And um, WTF has and WTF has it taken so long? He then uh, he then went on to add that he thinks that the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona will be finished <laughs> before the Riverside stand. I mean, it is it's getting silly now because they've had like an entire summer like of nobody, but like uninterrupted potential construction, and there doesn't seem to be any more people than than there was at the end of last season. I, I just cannot, under, and they haven't even got the excuse of COVID anymore. I can't get my head around what is, Luton made their stadium Premier League ready in 90 days. 
Like, what? I don't get why it's taking so long. Couldn't play their opening game, though, could they? The slugs didn't get drug- docked points for that. What a disgrace. Yeah. I was there as well for like their first prem game at home, and there was still like builders whacking things on <laughs> on the night. So I wasn't, and I had to sit in the newsstand, and yeah, it was a nervy night for sure. <laughs> I thought I was going to fall off. And then a ball came into the stand. And everyone was really worried it was going to hit one of the new lights. We just hit a police with squaring the face. <laughs> <laughs> Looting through and through. There is a certain sort of charm about them. You know, like I know they've, I know, as I said earlier, they've been stinking up the gaff a bit, but they're kind of like, oh, it's quite, it's quite sweet. Have you, do you find that in your, uh, in your time covering them is that you've, you've grown to kind of uh, become quite fond of them? Oh, it's, it's good fun. Like as a report, I've got to say like my worst times was covering teams like, Palace or Watford that I don't know for me not much is going on or whatever and um or the managers have been difficult but at the very least Luton they're quirky they're funny like their new you know that iconic oak stand where we would have walked through and people listening to this podcast would have gone through if they'd gone to Luton away days they renamed it to like the Domino's oak stand or something like after <laughs> no the, way yeah the pizza takeaway um it's company. Just, it's so just little things like that they had like a whole um new menu like based on their new stand of like I don't know chicken hatters fries or something like that I don't know it's classic <laughs> tabloid journalism at its finest and I'm lapping it up to be honest <laughs> <laughs> what was it because we were us three me you and Jams we went to Luton away uh, two seasons ago was it yeah, yeah. and didn't so what was it there's some, some lad shout something at you as you were going in it's, I can't remember I might, I might edit probably all I can remember from that day was the massive inflatable penis <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> flying past people's heads yeah I see didn't some lads absolutely total themselves on the on the advertising board yeah. as well during yeah, our goal did, celebrations yeah, down like four flights of stairs and then just went head first into a like a double glazing sign yeah I think I remember him being seen to by some paramedics yeah, yeah. Was, is that what a, what a chaotic day that was that was just yeah and I think we only drew like one all or something stupid yeah. wasn't it we played shit as well yeah absolutely absolute bedlam uh, Joe in the Telegram Drew asks do we think the atmosphere has got worse at Craven Cottage I mean I'm not in the best place to answer this one because I sit in the Putney end where the atmosphere is always rubbish but you're uh, you're <laughs> over in the Hammersmith uh, is there any have you noticed a, a noticeable dip in the atmosphere and and if there has been anything that we can do to remedy it do we bring, bring back the clappers we've had two games at the Cottage this season we got gubbed 3-0 against Brentford and you know we didn't have much to cheer about in the first half against Luton I think most of the people were asleep so I don't <laughs> think the sample size is really fair yeah it probably has been worse than last year but we haven't had much to cheer about so far this year in terms of you know in terms of actual entertaining uh, entertaining football you know I said I sent a message to watching yesterday the uh we waited, you know, the 88 minutes or whatever for the Awobi's first chance, and we get Alex Awobi. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is pure Fulham. I love that so much. Don't change it. Keep it. I was expecting White Stripes, Seven Nation Army, but we've outdone ourselves. We've stripped it back even further. You know, no frills here at the cottage, not messing around. What, you know, scrap this will catch on. There's no point. <laughs> we we have a winner. <laughs> that's why that's why Sammy just postponed it for weeks. Yeah, he's, he's we just don't have out. anything. There's no point. Sometimes missionary is indeed the best position. So um, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it makes me laugh when you know when you're on the Instagram explore page and Chelsea signs someone and it's like oh so and so's new song at Chelsea and it's always that same thing of Chelsea 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 <laughs> Chelsea yeah. are, we, are we really any better we, we're getting to that point I think I think uh, yeah it has been worse than last season but I think give it give it give us a chance like uh, what's the next home game we got Chelsea yeah, yeah. you know good, good result against Chelsea nice early goal you know they don't like it up them, and we'll we'll have it up them if we uh, if we get a nice early one. So give it give it time. Yeah, this is a Fulhamish plea. Fulhamish plea. Those those budding musicians who who uh, contribute to this will catch on. There you go. Let's let's see what we can do with Alex Awobi because I, I I think he deserves a better chart than that. But. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. Of course. Let's, let's let's see what you can come up with. Whatever happened to the? I was going to ask a question in like the stadium bit. Whatever happened to the Fulham builder? Remember that guy? Oh yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about that on yeah. on just gone. Game. Yeah, I was because someone asked me about him. They were like, "Remember that guy that waved the flag?" And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What happened to that guy?" It's been four oh. years now. If he was still there waving <laughs> his flag, I think the novelty of it would have worn off slightly. Bless him. He probably just uh, came to the end of his probation and didn't get. Wasn't didn't he in a fucking kit launch video or something? Yeah, Junior, his name was. He he was one compliment away from starting his own OnlyFans. I swear to God, he was <laughs> loving it, wasn't he? <laughs> Cameo account. <laughs> I followed him on Instagram, but I can't find him anymore. Oh. Changed his name. It was no, like a NC Builder. Building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he really took that. He grabbed that opportunity. He did a he did a Vinicius. He got okay. the opportunity. <laughs> I interviewed him with Fulhamish. Do you remember that? It was one of the first things. <laughs> one of the first things oh, I did. Yeah. And he had no clue, didn't he? He's like he had no clue about anything. Because I heard the rumor that he wasn't actually a Fulham fan that he supported Chelsea. So I was like, this will be my big scoop. I'll uh, I'll out him as not even being a Fulham fan. And then it turns out, we, so he claimed to be a Fulham fan, but I don't think he could have told you uh, who. Um, who who played for us or anything? Do you we had? Didn't we have another builder who fell asleep? Do you remember that guy? No. <laughs> no. What was that in the in the stand as well? It was towards the party end, which is why maybe you guys didn't see it. But he he was doing Junior's job. Um, Junior must have been on holiday or something, and he he, he dozed off, and the away fans caught wind of this and were chanting he's falling asleep he's falling asleep I'm starting to figure out now why the Riverside stand isn't finished just employed loads of tired diabetic builders who can't work more than 30 minutes well there's your answer there's your, there's your answer Chris we, we can't get the staff there we go on that note I think we'll end today there's one thing left to do before we call it a day and that's the name of the podcast Drew have you got a, a favourite that we're going to go with yeah I do I've got uh, out of the ones that I said I think I think we're going to go with three Mo points because I think we need to mark uh, we need to mark Fired's passing with a three word review uh, and I think that's probably the best one so Fulham Philadelphia let's go with uh, three Mo points it's what he would have wanted it's what he would have wanted <laughs> Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun, as always. Drew, thank you for your time, sir. Thank you, Coops. Uh, always nice to be on after a win. Yeah. Izzy, great to have you back. Oh, it was so much fun. Thanks for having me. And Jarman, go enjoy the rest of your day. What have you got thank plans? You going, going out um, canoeing, going to go do the grouse grinds, get yourself one <laughs> of those weird 
weird um, bloody Marys with with seafood in it. What, what's, what have you got on the agenda today? Just a lot of like adulting today. So I've got to go and pick up a chest of drawers. Then I'm going to buy a pickleball racket because I'm just invested now. And then maybe I'll go for a run. Who knows? Great. Good stuff. <laughs> I know. What a life I lead, eh? Athlete. <laughs> New balance on. Absolutely. Thursday Club uh, to look forward to this week. But yeah, have a have a great rest of the week and we'll we'll see you very soon. You whites. Toodles. Right.